Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Everybody out there, I would just like to pray this morning because there's so much things that are going on in this pandemic time, and it's unprecedented. So I'll start with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, Father who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. name. Thy, thy kingdom come, come thy, thy will be done, done on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. I'm excited today to have Miss Amanda Martin. She is a candidate for district judge in Division D. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And our co-host today is a guest who I'm very familiar with, a great person. And uh, she currently resides in Houston, Texas, but spent a lot of time in Lafayette. And this is uh, Amanda's sister, Vanessa Martin. Well, hello, Todd. Welcome to the show, Vanessa. Thank you so very Always much for having me. Always good to see you. It's fantastic My favorite radio personality. My favorite person <laughs> in the whole wide world. <laughs> okay, so let's just start with uh, Amanda. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, I am uh, from Lafayette. I am the youngest child. Uh, my mother had five kids. My mother, Ciola Martin, was an educator. She is now, she's deceased now. I lived on 16th Street and was raised with a big family because my aunt also lived with us and she had 12 kids. So we were 17 little kiddos running around. We, have a three, we had a three bedroom wooden frame house. And so we ran around there and my mother stressed education. That was important. But first of all, she instilled in us that God was first. That we had to have God at the center of our, of our life because he was in control. He was our creator and he made things possible. And we had to believe in him and not trust man. So we were parishioners of the Heart. Catholic Church, which is in on 12th and Surrey mm-hmm. in Lafayette. And I was first baptized there. Then I was, uh, had my holy first communion in first grade. And then I was confirmed in around eighth grade. And today I am still a parishioner of Macleod and Mary Church. That was beautiful. And, you know, for me, the Holy Spirit always shows up in numbers. And, you know, I kind of told you, Amanda, before the show that we kind of let the Holy Spirit lead. And when you mentioned you lived, grew up on 16th Street, uh, some of our listeners will get it. That's why I smiled so much. 16 is my Holy Spirit number. So when, well, the, when the number on. 16 comes up, it's like the Holy Spirit saying, I'm right here by you. That's right. You Amen. Know? So uh, we've already been blessed on this show. So uh, I'm going to let Vanessa jump in and we're going to talk about Amanda's faith life, but uh, what, okay. what kind of questions do you have for her? Well, first of all, I'd like to ask Amanda, when it comes to your Holy Spirit and, and the things that come over you, uh, what is it that you feel when it comes to spirituality? When I think of spirituality, I think of first listening to God. You have to stay still. As we have these humanistic qualities that we always think that 
whatever we want, we deserve. But I was taught at an early age, and I've and I always prayed that God just give me the necessities of life, because the rest is wants. So I only wanted my needs. So if I had a roof over my head, if I had a a bed to sleep in, if I had the the nourishment, food, if I had a peace of mind, because it's important, then everything else I could just get on my own. God would lead me to have that abundant life that he created me to have. That's beautiful. You, you, you have it. I can tell you have such a deep faith, and, uh, and, and it probably comes from your mother. You mentioned your, your mom. Um, I'm, I'm curious if, if her parents, if you knew them, uh, and, and is, did her faith get passed down from them? Yes, it did. My grandmother, Mary Bernie, Bernie uh, Martin, she was very, very instilled in faith. It's something she always practiced. And as little girls, they took, you know, they took, my grandmother took my mother and her sister, my aunt, to church. And also, we had an, an uncle, her, her son. So they always went to church. They always went to mass. My grandmother was a lady that went to mass early, like a lot of older people mm-hmm. went at the 6 o'clock uh, mass. I'm and, not there yet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they went, they went daily, too. So mm-hmm. it was part, the rosary being said was part of our, you know, of our life. Upbringing. Yeah, so it was, uh, it passed on. And that's what families are all about. The, the nurturing of faith from generation to generation. I love it. That's what the Cajun Catholic Show is all about. Just the beauty in Acadiana of this generational, you know, faith like you talk about. So I'm curious, you know, uh, I had a little a little passion for the law and didn't work out for me. I wasn't smart enough to go to law school. But uh, tell me, Amanda, at what point did you know that you wanted to be a lawyer, that you wanted to get involved with law? And, and did God have a hand in that? You know, I mean, how were you led to that, to your vocation? Well, uh, when I was, and I'm going to start at when I was like about 12 years old, I was a sports fanatic. So I love sports. Amen. But with all the kids in the house, I didn't have my own TV. We had to fight over one big TV with the phonograph on top. And make sure you tell them it's black and white. Yeah, you might have to tell the millennials what a phonograph this. is. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. It was like a record player. Yeah, so you yeah. had this big, this big old TV, maybe probably at least 25 inches, but it was encased in the uh, in, wood, in a cabinet. Right? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. In a wood cabinet, and on top, you had the record player. So when you weren't watching TV, you could listen to vinyl records. Nice. But we only had one in the house, so everybody had to agree on what shows to watch. Mm-hmm. And because we had a lot of girls in the house, we had at least uh, 11 girls in the house. Wow. Including, well, not including the two females, my mother and my aunt. So they didn't really want to watch sports. Like I wanted to. So my mom gave me this this black and white little 12-inch TV of my own. And at the time she gave it to me, I didn't know why she was really giving it to me. Because at that time she wanted to give me something just so that she could show me my potential. She said, hey, Amanda, you're going to be the person to take care of your family. Wow. And she led me in the sheltered life. And steered me away from 
you know, all the vices like boys running after, you know, teenagers and and a job. She didn't even let me have a, a job in high school because she wanted me, she wanted to prepare me for the future. And she wanted to keep me strong and let me know that with her support and encouragement and with my desire to be better and do better, through God's work, I was going to succeed. So when I got to uh, school, I was on the newspaper as a, like, a little sports editor, and somebody said, Amanda's going to get a scholarship to Harvard. <laughs> I had to go look it up because I didn't know where Harvard <laughs> was. But from that point, it was like at I said. At Como, right? Yeah. yeah. I graduated from uh, Como High School. Mm-hmm. But um, it was like people had destined me to be a lawyer. It was like people around me said, hey, you're, you're kind of like argumentative. You know, you debate about everything. It's not about wanting to be right all the time, but wanting to do right. So I decided, yeah, maybe I would pursue being a lawyer. I really wanted to be a sportscaster. But me too. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> there were a lot of sportscasters out there. So I said, okay, I'm going to be a female sportscaster. I love it. And then uh, Phyllis George messed that up. <laughs> then I said, okay, well, I'll be the first black female fo- sportscaster. Jane Kennedy messed that up. So I was like, okay, uh, maybe for Sula. <laughs> but uh, now, why don't you tell them the, the story that involved your faith in getting to be a lawyer? Well, when I graduated high school, um, I went straight into... Uh, USL, which is ULL right now. I went straight to school from graduating. I started summer school. I was on an Upward Bound program that was also a faith-based program. It took underprivileged kids that had the potential to be college students. They put you in a program and you took college courses when you were a junior in high school. At the time, I went my first semester. Well, no, I didn't start my first semester until, uh, not the summer, the first summer. But my sister Vanessa was living in Houston. And she- That's about right. (laughs) (laughs) She was was going to college. Right. And I took a job at Lafayette General to help my mother pay for Vanessa's out-of-state college tuition. Mm -hmm. So I left campus and moved back home with my mother and uh, went to the same bed that I've slept in (laughs) since I was a little girl. And um, I decided to take a trip to visit Vanessa. Was it like a summer? (laughs) It was a summer break. Yes, this was like summer of 1982. So we were hanging out. We met some friends while we were out and about socializing. And this young man named Brandon asked me to go to Nacogdoches, Texas to get his income tax check from his grandmother's home. While we were going to Nacogdoches, I had a couple of rules. I said, look, we, have, we, we can't speed and I have to get back <laughs> right, right after we pick up the check. Because I wasn't familiar with Texas. Or the new person you had just met that your sister told you to go with. Yeah. 
I trusted in my sister. <laughs> Right. But she said, hey, we'll take precautions. We'll take a picture of his driver's license. <laughs> the picture of his Funny. car and the picture of the license plate. Right. So we did those things. Good job, Vanessa. Look, right. we went on, I went on that trip. And every time I took a trip, I pray for safe travels. That's just something my mama taught us to do. So we prayed that we get there. And I, my prayers are deep. I'm like, God, please don't let us have any car issues. Please don't let us have a flat tire. Please don't let us have any mechanical issues. Please don't let, let us have an accident. You know. Uh, Specific. It's, it's, it's right it's, down it, the line. It's really. It's a laundry list. It's really safety. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so we got stopped by an officer. And I didn't know the law. And as a 19-year-old teenager, the officer took us from one, and in Texas there are counties instead of parishes. So the officer took us outside of his jurisdiction and brought us back to, he had us follow us back to where he should have stopped us, where he had jurisdiction. For, he stopped us for speeding. Well, when he stopped us for speeding, we were too young, Brandon was 18, he went further. He, uh, he accused us of robbing a vending machine. Oh, my goodness. It just wasn't about speeding. Brandon had a gun in the, v, in the trunk of the car. And uh, back in the day, kids that grew up in my neighborhood used to wear a stocking cap over their head mm -hmm. to get curls, to make their hair wavy. waves. Mm -hmm. And so there was a stocking cap in the, in the vehicle, in the back seat, and there was a big jar a big water bottle of change. So they, so the officer accused us of robbing vending machines. And poor little lonely me, I said, I, he checked my ID and he said, you don't, you've never been in the criminal system before, but you're about to get locked up and become a criminal. And I looked at the officer and I said, no, I, I, I didn't do anything. I don't know anything. So he took me into his office and he, he took Brandon, they ruffled up Brandon, slapped him around, put him in a cell. Come on. And then what they did was they took me to an office. The officer was a, uh, a white male. And there was a little kid in the office uh, sitting on a sofa in the office, which was his son. So the officer, you know, to make a long story short, the officer took his gun out and unloaded his, his revolver, put one bullet, I mean, put one, uh, yeah, bullet in the, um, Chamber. The, the, yeah, in the revolver. And then he told me, he said, you're going to tell me where you all robbed a vending machine. I wasn't even familiar with Houston, so I sure wasn't familiar with Corrigan, Texas. He set me in the chair in the front, and from my peripheral vision, I could hear the little boy, seven or eight years old, he was hollering in my ear, shoot her daddy, shoot her daddy. And so what I did was uh, he asked me and I said, I don't know. He said, don't tell me I don't know. After asking me several times, he said, don't say I don't know or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot you, put you, kill you, and throw you in the swamp. And nobody will ever know where you were. And I really believe that. For the first time, I believed what the, it's not just about respecting officers, but I really believed in what he said. Because when I, when I look back at it at that time, 
I said, well, nobody really knows where I am. It's true. Vanessa knew I was traveling in Nacogdoches, but she didn't know Corrigan, Texas. Well, he put, the, he put the gun to my head, and he said, he used the N-word. He said, you better tell me the truth. You better tell me. Where did you rob the vending machine? And I could still hear the little boy. And I prayed and I said, God, please, don't let him hurt me. Don't let him kill me. I didn't want to die that day. But I didn't answer him when he asked me the question. And he said, you used the N-word. You're going to ignore me this time? And I said, I didn't say anything. So he said, I'm going to ask you one more time. And when I said, I don't know, he pulled the trigger. He had the gun to the temple of my head. He pulled the trigger, and all I did was bald, and I uh, yeah. urinated all over me. And he grabbed me by the collar of my little shirt, and he threw me in the hallway, and he said, get out of here, and using the N-word, and don't you ever come back to my town. And at that point, as I rode a Greyhound back to Houston, I decided I was going to be a lawyer. I had to know my rights. I had to know how to protect myself because I never, ever wanted to face that situation again. It's pretty heavy. I'm speechless. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm lost for words. I, I, uh, it's such a, a horrible story, and, and yet a beautiful story in the, the way that time. that's yeah yeah you know i want to remind our listeners you're listening to the cajun catholic radio show today's guest is miss amanda martin and um just riveting testimony and and that's how we we're here today amanda became a lawyer and uh and, and is now uh, hopefully going to be a district judge here in, in our area and all i can i just feel like i need to apologize for that gentleman you know that's awful that's terrible uh, and right alongside of all the things that we see that's going on, you know, and um, I know you'll make a huge difference, and God has you where he wants you. I will say that, you know. Uh, you always pray that your will and God's will will, <clears throat> will unite, be one and the same, and, and uh, God has certainly, <clears throat> when you mentioned that everyone around you wanted you to be an attorney, it's like it's like your path, your path was, was laid out for you. Yes, I always believed, yeah. you know, in reading the Bible and studying, I always looked at, it's not where you want to go. It's where God leads you. That's right. See, Absolutely. God is your creator. God has molded and formed you before you even knew. I mean, he, he, he knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. And what God does is no matter where we want, because as people, just our humanistic qualities, because we're all imperfect beings. So we sometimes straddle the fence or we sometimes we go down the wrong path. You know, God leads us one way, but we don't want to listen. We don't want to listen because we think we know better. But we have to, as people, know that God is able and God is in control. And because he's able in control, he has already designed our path. He's already designed our purpose. And you know, the greatest gift of love is what I've learned by going out and meeting people in this world. I get to hear their stories, but I get to know 
You know, I get to minister to them sometimes on the road. But we, we, during these times, we meet people with going through so much. You know, it's, it's such 2020, it's not only been unprecedented, but it's a time where God is telling us that I want you all to use me. I want you to test me. Because one day, you're going to come out of it, and you're going to know how awesome and powerful I am. Yes. So God is not taking what we feel is negative going on right now, whether it's the coronavirus, whether it's the hurricanes. What God is doing is telling us that we're imperfect, but we're still part of his plan. And he is going to bring us through the wilderness, and he's going to give us water through the deserts. And that's what God is doing for us. And we just got to hold on. Right. We got to hold on as people. We have yeah. to encourage and support each other. Right. And we got to know that he makes no mistakes right. and he's on time. That's right. I'm just going to say, you know, Amanda represents the best in all of us here in Acadiana. You know, um, just hearing her and seeing the excitement and seeing the good Lord in her eyes, you know, it's just the best of all of us. And we're so proud. I know your, your, your mom must be so proud of you. That's an and, angel. And the family. And, an and I am. I mean, we haven't known each other that long. But I'm so proud of you. Thank you. So, Vanessa, jump in here. I don't know how we can top that story. <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> I'm over here crying. I know. Me too. We got tears. And mm -hmm. I, I happened to wear a little eye makeup this morning. So, I know I'm not looking my best. Yeah. Thank God they can't see. But I know they can feel it. And I know they can feel the spirit that comes out of my sister. She's not only my sister, but she has influenced me to become a better person. Uh, like she said, my mom gave her something to help all of us as sisters and brothers, our siblings. And she's done that and more. And I'm just so proud to have and to be a part of her life. I feel that I am so blessed to have a sister that can stand strong, do well for the people, love the people, because everybody should know God is love. That is what God is. God is love. And that's what she spreads around on a daily basis. I want you to know things are going on with this campaign of hers, but no matter how bad things are, she said, let things stay still because the battle is not yours. The battle is not yours. That means that God has everything and God is in control. So nice. Uh, so two questions I have, uh, you know, how do you move on from that experience and look at, 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 at people that, and, and, you know, for me, every white male that I would come in contact with from that moment on, you know, just, I would see the devil hatred, you know, um, mm -hmm. How do you overcome that moving forward? And, and, and the second question, follow-up, would be why, why be a judge? Is that, is that a natural progression from being an attorney in your profession, or, or is there something bigger there? Uh, the first question is I never judge people. I never look at one person and stereotype the whole, um, the whole community, the whole world. The whole because race. I, Every, everybody has, everybody's individual. That's right. And everybody's going to have their own thought process, their own values. So when I look at people, I don't see, I really don't see male 
I really don't see female. I really don't see race. I really don't see ethnicity. I really don't see the language of the voice that you know you speak. What I see is God's creation. So your humanistic instinct will tell you that what somebody did was wrong. But God is a forgiving God. And unless you forgive man, then how do you expect God to forgive you? How do you expect God to make your life what he wants for you if you never forgive people? That's right. So what I had to take away from that, that my mama taught me, the values and principles that she taught me, is you have to forgive people and move on. You have to treat people as you want to be treated. Because when I look at people, they are a reflection of me. They are no better than me, and I am no better than them. So, uh, I never, growing up, I never wanted to treat bad, people bad. I never wanted to do harm. So, even though harm was done upon me, all the adversities and trials and tribulations I faced in life, I never looked at that experience to stop me from being the person that I could be. So, you, the, the way you've answered that question, kind of two in one, you know, it's uh, talking about how you, you're able to be that judge like every definition of what you described is what a good judge would would be and again like so was a that being a judge always something that you you had aspired um yes i thought that first of all as a lawyer you have to get to know people you represent people but it's like people you, you represent more people that you don't know so people have to trust mm. that you will handle their situation with confidence, with compassion, and in their best interest. So by looking at being a lawyer, I've come into all contact, all kinds of people, all kinds of problems. I consider myself, although I earned what they call a Juris Doctor, I'm like the doctor of other people's problems. That's what I call my OPP. Right, so um, being a judge just helps you to help people in another way. You impact families. You see, you make decisions that will affect how families continue to grow in the community, how they continue, continue to improve, uh, how we can... Uh, like, not only help families get better, but we can protect families. We can make decisions that will just, like I said, just better, better. So I, I knew that would be my next step. I've prepared myself for that. And by working in law for over 30 years, I've been a lawyer. I've, I guess I've, I, I guess I, what I could say is I've tried to get the, most out of every type of law that I could so that I could have vast knowledge to help as many people as I could. Well, this has been an amazing interview. I'm so happy to have had you on the show today. You're a blessing to me and my family and to all our listeners. 
and you guys are beautiful. And uh, thank you. So I, much. Thank I, you. I know whether you're a district judge by the time that we air this show or not, you you've already won in my mind. Thank you uh, so kindly. The good Lord's going to take good care of you. I don't know where you're going from here, but it's a good place, and it's, I hope I'm coming with you. Oh, right. <laughs> thank you. I want you with me. <laughs> so you've been listening to Cajun Catholics. Today's guest has been Amanda Martin, and co-hosted by her sister Vanessa Martin, the one and only. Thank you and, so uh, very much. Y'all have been such a blessing to our show and to us, and I wish you the best. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. God thank bless. You. Okay, as always, we uh, we uh, always challenge you to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. Until next time, God bless. Yeah.